Blog Talk Radio. In order to be free, you have to know the truth. Pastor Lionel Gant seeks to use the truth of God's word to help stop the tide of violence and mass incarceration used to enslave people all across this nation. Now, the word of truth by Pastor Lionel Gant. I am looking for freedom, looking for freedom, and All right, this is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. We're kind of having some uh, technical difficulties, so I'm trying to see if I can bring uh, bring my other caller in on the line right now. All right, this is Pastor Lionel again with the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. We're coming to but the whole truth. Uh, Brother Nate, are you on the line with me? Yes, sir. All right, glory to God, glory to God. All right, this is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. Yeah, you know how you know how it is with this technology. <laughs> you know we, you know we have to we have to learn how to master this technology. So I I, I thank God for the the little bit of savvy that He's given me over time. You know, glory to God. So, bro, Nate, uh, this this is the president of the Cab County. SCLC and uh, a, a good friend of mine, man. How long we been friends? We've been we've been knowing each other for how many years now? Good God Almighty! Well, uh, we, we 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 go back so many years, but we got friends that go back all the way to uh, both of our beginnings. So we got a long lineage of friendship. Amen. And, and 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 it's been a long time on the battlefield. And and as we were talking earlier, you know. I mean, in some of those battles, you know, we were hated for, and others we were loved for, but, you know, through thick and thin, we stood up when others wouldn't stand up. So, so I, I mean, you know, let's, let, let's, talk about, let's talk about, you know, the plight of civil rights. I mean, you from a little boy was involved in, in, in the civil rights struggle. So, so, so where are we at today, brother Nate? Well, Lita, you're absolutely right. I did get started early. I met Dr. King when I was 11 years of age in Greensboro, North Carolina, where he was on the campus of Bennett College to speak. But he, uh, he was there to speak because a strong African-American woman stood up. She stood up and, and squarely took the responsibility of Dr. King speaking at Bennett College campus on her shoulder. You see, on that day, the president of A&T State University, Dr. Womack T. Gibbs, had already extended an invitation to her by way of the president, excuse me, uh, by way of the secretary of the Greensboro NAACP. And it was his intention for Dr. King to speak there, but the Board of Regents, those people who hold authority over the schools and the institutions of, of higher learning in our community said no. Dr. King can't come to the Empty State University to speak after the invitation had been given. So, with no place to go, this 
this president, this Willoughby uh, player, who's president at Benning College, spoke up and said, sir, you can come to my school and speak, and I'll take the responsibility and deal with the consequences later. Oh. A powerful, a powerful background for an 11-year-old boy to see that and know that uh, the civil rights movement was in the hands of strong black women as well as strong black men. You see, yeah. today I speak about the lineage of Dr. King, but I can't do it without thinking about the women that I met early on that there was a difference. Oh, there are difference today, but let's go back to then. Will it be clear allowed Dr. King to come and speak uh, on his campus? And his, he spoke about why the Negro in North Carolina, at Greensboro, North Carolina, as well as the state of North Carolina, should get off their butts and vote. And those are his words. That's what he, how he spoke it on that day. He was very eloquent in his delivery, and okay. I was very shocked by that. But he spoke. And said, get off your butt and go to vote. And the same thing has to happen today. We're at that yeah. very same point. Right now today, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's happening right now today. We, we're, we're delivering that same message. The message is the same. Have to vote. But, but our young millennials and so many of our, let's say, let's say our people from in the age bracket between, you know, in their, their, their 30s and, and, their, and their 40s, are saying, why should they vote? They're saying, why should we vote? Well, you know, you know that, 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 your response to them as to why they should vote? My response to them is that you need to be more knowledgeable about what has been going on in your race, and you need to go back and read the materials that were being presented to you in school when you were being a little hard-headed, and you were only geared and directed towards uh, economics and not about uh, race and growth. Within the race, you see that age group. We have some very strong uh, leaders that's coming out of that group, but we also have some people that failed themselves, and again, they are failing their, their race. And that was the reason why Dr. King had to express the thought that he did back in 1958. We're saying the same thing. The same group. There was a group of us that did not see. Our parents was afraid to speak out. Uh, they referred to him as a rebel rouser. Today, the young people say that uh, he was misled, that there were things that he should have done. Well, the responsibility of leadership lies within every African-American man and woman born in the United States. They got a, a birthright responsibility to step up to the plate and lead their race, wherever they are, with whatever resources that they have. We are not limited because God did not short any of us. He gave a phone to a young man and the battlefield against a giant. Well, he let gave, me Jack, yes, let sir. me something here. You know, I, I had that same conversation with a with with a group of young people and they were saying they were saying, you know, oh shoot, Reverend Gann, if I was back there in the days of Dr. King, them I would have did this and I would have did that, right? Well I, I turned I flipped the script on them. And I said, wait a minute, you in a more explosive time than Dr. King, and, mm-hmm. and, and what are you doing now? Wow. What are you doing now? Okay? And, 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 and we're, seeing, we're, seeing, we're seeing our young people, you know, our, our youngsters, you know, in their teens and their 20s and their, 
in the in the in the early thirties that are that are really coming out. You know, and I would say younger than that. You know that they're that, younger than that. You know, and I, 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 I agree with you a hundred percent. I uh-huh. marched with them for eighteen days. Eighteen okay. days of protest. I'm seventy three. I can only stand up eighteen days of protest with these young kids. They walk and they were heartfelt in their their uh, beliefs and their ideas. And I took the position. They said, "Why don't we take time to educate them?" Well, that's exactly what the camp SCLC did. We set out to educate and tell you educate. Yes, sir. Tell us about that. Tell us about the young people and about what you know what they what they were really studying. Oh, leader, let me tell you. We were at the CNN Center on Marietta Street and Spring uh-huh. Street, right outside of the CNN Center, through one of the toughest uh, days of the protest, going into the seventh or third day before the bricks and rocks and things were thrown at police officers and their protesters. A lot of people don't know that we have uh, bricks, stones, and bottles thrown at us. And okay. that there were are, there are people there whose job it was to uh, break the protest down uh, uh, and bring about a negative ideas and concepts to the police department and to the, the people who were in the rallies and the protests of the NAACP National uh, Excuse me, National Congress of Black Women, the National Urban League, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter, Greater Atlanta, Black Lives Matter, Greater. There was so many different groups and humanitarian groups, black and white alike, that was there. But they want to, they want to break them down. But what we did, we sat on the, we sat on the street corner leader, and we decided to teach them all that would come over to where we were with our bullhorn, maybe our Reverend Terrell and others. We still sat there. And we started teaching them the ideas of the concept of Dr. Martin Luther King and why we at their age had to take a, a look and see that violence was not the way to go. And so they had to learn this, but they sat down. Hundreds of these children would sit down, another group would come and sit down and listen and interact and ask questions. It took me back to the 60s. This is what happened when I was a 13, 14 year old child. I was able to be there with people of SNCC uh, who were sharing information. Dr. King is not moving fast enough. SCLC is not the way to go. The NWHP is too slow. We've got to do it now. And they, they recruited us because they had the message that we thought that we needed to hear. But you got to get the information from all the sources. Then it's got to be weighed. Each person who listen to what is going on in the community have to weigh the information against other information and facts that they have. And then they've got to go inside themselves to their moral character and decide what is the right and wrong of this? What is the just and unjust of this? What are the ups and downs of this? What about uh, when, I, will I stand when the police come and pick me up and, and arrest me? Young kids had to make a decision when we were coming up and they're making the same decisions today. And Leah, I got to tell you, I am very, very enthusiastically affected uh, 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 about how well these kids are organizing themselves, asking the tough questions, and standing up to an institution of racism in America and saying, no, we will not sit back and allow you to treat our black brothers and sisters like this and I'm speaking about the young white Jews and non-black kids that stood up and said, no, we see the wrong of our ways. We see 
that our mothers and our fathers and our grandfathers and grandmothers did not, uh, they shielded us and did not give us the truth. We see the truth now. We're not going to, we're going to stand up with them. Black lives matter because our lives matter. And if our lives matter, every group in the human family lives have to matter. And they are delivering this subject matter across the country and actually across the world. They're standing up. And they're standing up strong. I'm proud of them. But I also, I'm also, I got my eyes on those who are trying to make it difficult for that process to work. Because you know that when good right. are in the room, then bad is someplace lurking for an opportunity. Okay, Brene, let, let's talk about let's talk about what's going on now. You have a, you have a, uh, uh, some information you want to put out now about something that's upcoming right now. Could you inform our radio audience about uh, what's getting ready to happen now? I, I really do. You know, uh, Reverend Jose Williams was a lieutenant for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Glory to God. He was a commissioner in DeKalb County. He was a member of the city council in Atlanta, Georgia. He stayed right on the border between Atlanta and DeKalb. But he was also a member of the House of Representatives. This man gave his life to the movement and gave his life to public service to the people causes. And I believe that it's the only right for us to look at this and say, a man of his stature, a man of his contribution, a man who wants to live even after he has passed away, uh, Miss Obamami and her husband are doing a great job with the whole day the hunger program, which mm-hmm. continues going to almost 30, 40 years. And yes. We we have got to give uh, support to that. Over in DeKalb County, Dr. Marcus King was arrested and put into a jail right there outside of the steps where Reverend uh, Jose Williams had to come and work every day inside of the courthouse. He could see the place where Dr. King was put into jail for a parking ticket and and then hooked, taken away in the middle of the night to the mm-hmm. worst prison in the state of Georgia. You see. We've had so much injustice done, but we got people stood up. The injustice done against Dr. King and intervention had to come from the uh, Attorney General for the United States of America, Robert F. Kennedy, had to step up and say, no, you all get this man out of that prison, you better do it by tomorrow morning, because if not, then I'm going to have trouble too to show you how it's done. And that's what got Dr. King out. Judge Mitchell, who stayed on the throne of DeKalb County, was instrumental in the arrest and the false imprisonment of Dr. Martin Luther King. But he understood that when that, level, when that call came in from Robert F. Kennedy, that he had better move and move quick, and he moved, and the next day, Dr. King was back with his family. Leader, Reverend Jose Williams were instrumental all up in that. Not just on, 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 on that issue, but so many other issues. The issues at Forsyth County, where millions and millions of dollars of real estate was taken for African Americans. He had fought. He, he was arrested 100, over 125 times, standing on the battlefield and saying no to the opposition who was trying to suppress us and keep us suppressed and keep African Americans from uh, uh, segregated situations and being economically inferior in a, in a country that they help build. Our blood is on every street, every street in every city 
of the United States of America. Our, our lives of our uncles and our dads and our fathers and our grandfathers and their fathers and their grandfathers are in the wars that were fought for the country. Reverend Jose Williams returned back from World War II in 1946. Riding back home with a great Greyhound bus station. He died to do something that people don't even speak about today. He came out of that Greyhound bus station, crawled a water fountain. He clearly knew it was color only when he went into service. But he said he, he was going to drink some of that water today, and he did. And they beat him. They beat him very badly. People don't know that Reverend Jose Williams was not for the doctor in Atlanta, Georgia, would have been dead for the beating that he suffered on that day in 1946. Somewhere along the way, he met Dr. King, and he he he, he was playing a, a game of uh, billiards with the, with um, another medical friend of ours. We got a student for this. He was a new thing. He was the new the new thing that that went from Mississippi to Washington, D.C. in 1963, the Poor People's Campaign. But the two of them were playing pool when Dr. King walked in and interrupted the game. And Reverend Jose went after that. He made him miss a shot of the eight ball. That was the money ball. He said, I'm asking you all to come over to the church and we got a rally and I want to I wanna talk with you all. I, I need you to be there. And he said, but you don't understand. You just called me. The money vial, the money shot. He said, come over with me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait for you. And uh, he said, this man, he had to have some spirit about himself to do something like that. He told the guy that he wasn't going to go. He mm. walked out the door uh, two or three minutes behind Dr. King. Dr. King went in one direction to the church, and he went to the right, uh, going the opposite direction, to, to the same church. And his buddy, he was, uh, who was with him, uh, went up the street, turned some blocks, and all three of them got back to the church. And they listened to Dr. King. And Dr. King, uh, at that point, resonated the ideas and thoughts of black men being in bondage and, 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 and slavery and again being in bondage and uh, segregation politics and again being in bondage and economic. Insecurity uh, uh, because jobs and uh, right money were not being paid to black men and women who had those jobs. They had to listen, and so he got him a lieutenant out of that deal. Mm. He got he got a lieutenant. Everyone was became a lieutenant, and he fought ever since that day. His head hit so many times that he became an alcoholic and drink hit had to drink in order to leave the pressure that was going on every day in his life. He gave it all 125 times that he was arrested. He never complained. I remember when he was over in Forsyth County and uh, Reverend Terrell and uh, uh, General was with them and they were put into a paddy wagon to be locked up because they went over there and fought for the man that was stolen from African Americans. One of those men returned and the oppressive police officers over there arrested them. And they went to the jailhouse without opposition. But a young, a young general was in there, and he had a key in his pocket. He could have maneuvered them in some way and unlocked the handcuffs for some of them. He had an opportunity to leave. But 
they didn't take the handcuffs off the lead. They took the handcuffs off to show them that they could take them off the deal and just voluntarily. And they went on into the into the jails of Fulfans County, fighting for the people's rights, trying to get dignity restored and get property restored back to the people. This fight continues. It could continue to you, Reverend Dan. Mm-hmm. It continues to me. It continues to all of the activists that are still out there on it. The the well, Bernay, why do you think it's such a divide between 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 the generations between you know our generation? They they you know the younger people look at us and they say, well, you know, uh, they ain't feeling what we're doing, and a lot of a lot of the people that are that are in our generation are saying, well, they 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 are not feeling what the young people are doing. Why do you think it's that divide? And you and you've been working with those young people. You've been out there with them. You've heard their cries. Uh, yes, sir. I, I heard their cries and I listened to their stories. And I tell you, the 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 biggest backing this in this process is that we did not set out structure to keep simultaneously as we protested and grew, and we amassed. Um, uh, economic returns that gave us a false sense of accomplishment. And so the kids inherit the things, the love from, from the parents inherit the, the shoes and the socks and the shoes and the cars that they could now ride, ride in and the places they could now go, but they didn't understand uh, the place that was paid. We failed them. When I say we, I mean all of us. Because Mm-hmm. Um, as much as we fought on one side, we we did not unify. Unity was not there among all of the organizations to where we could understand that the Voters' Rights Act that we sit uh, down and pat LBJ on the shoulder for was uh, just a token. It was not the final act. And we did not mm-hmm. set up a date for the final act. We did not have the trained attorneys that we have. These young kids have been trained in law, in all aspects of law, to whereby they can sit down and feel a contract, and they know that uh, one of them will not be able to get the job done. It would take a collective group of attorneys working on different aspects of what okay. it is for okay. us to have okay. understanding. So they understand that they've got the education, but what they didn't get they didn't get the reason of why they need to use their education to foster the work of, of our people. That is what was missing. Their unification was missing. It's missing today. And we're going to bring that to point or we're going to have another generation saying the same thing. Why didn't y'all stand up to do a better job? Okay, Brene. And, I, and I, got, I got a quick answer to that right now. I'm going to tell you 30 seconds. Five seconds, sir. The answer to that question is that... No. I wanted to get to something else. I wanted to get to something else about about, mm-hmm. uh, about the general and about us carrying the firearms and things of that sort. What 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 is your what is your opinion on that? Because because I think it's time for us to show to show to peacefully demonstrate, but at the same time, I think it's time for us to show you know strength uh, in in arms. So what what is your opinion on that? Uh, I do a series to deal with the race rights in America from 1898 to 1937. 
And the reason why those race riots uh, are so dominant in our history because it was the first time in the African-American uh, story that recorded by white that we stood up uh, and began arms and uh, the white groups came into our community. So the first one that took place in 1808 was one that my great-great-grandfather was a victim. He was not a, he was a victim on it because he had a federal appointed position that was given him by three different presidents of the United States of America. He looked at the atrocities that were taking place and he knew right away that, uh, that a lot of trickery had gone, had been put in place to make sure that a gun were not present by African Americans to defend themselves. Uh, uh, they stopped the sale of the guns, they stopped the sale of the bullets. Um, the, the faith that we have has always been here for us, that uh, some savior, is going to come and rescue us from this. And I'm not speaking about Jesus Christ. I'm speaking about a white, benevolent, political uh, person in the community that will always step forward. We cannot mm. rely on the oppressor to defend us. We cannot okay. rely on the oppressor to uh, deliver us. If we are being okay. oppressed, then there are some things that we have to look at. We have to look at the, the Constitution of the United States and how it's supposed to serve all men mm-hmm. and all women equally. Great. And so when we look at that, and uh, we see where uh, militarism has been utilized by the United States government and guns are going over to suppress and take away from, from different groups and uh, extraterritoriality as a, as, a, as a policy has been implemented by uh, our government and our uh, elected officials, including our president, at the highest level, then we realize that there's a flaw. There's a flaw because the Constitution and those battles and those fights and those uh, 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 countries that are invaded, they're not being done so for the right reasons. And those reasons are a uh, reason why uh, you got the Second Amendment, your right to bear mm-hmm. and protect yourself. There's a reason for that. It's uh, your protection is not from just from countries outside of America. It's from insurgency that may take place inside of the country. This, uh-huh. this country was, uh, uh, had invasion from France, had invasion from uh, Great Britain, and, and Spanish. So uh, the Constitution was brought out. We only have like uh, three Britain. minutes left. So we only have. The right to bear arms is the Second Amendment is, 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 is everybody's right. In this country, African Americans do not employ the Second Amendment for defense. Today, you got young people who have taken uh, the steps of the uh, Black Panther Party to a, a different level. The young Black Panthers of America here in, in Atlanta and the American County of New Orleans, they said we do have a right to bear arms and everybody can. To uh, offer defense to that. But you got a new group now that says, I don't have to belong to an organization in order to protect myself. The Constitution gives me the right. And so you got a, you got a, a larger number of young African Americans have guns and disband guns. When I came here from North Carolina, I was shocked by the number of people that had guns on, the, on their belt. Uh, as I walked downtown, okay. I looked in awe. I Can you tell uh, them about the program that you have that's coming up? Uh, that's coming up uh, right now. 
Yes, sir. Well, uh, we're still dealing with stop the violence, Leader. Uh, the stop okay. the violence program is one of the most visible uh, uh, programs that we have that employ all parts of our community because we've got victims just in every neighborhood from uh, black and white okay. violence to police involved violence to uh, uh, violence against children and defense systems, violence mm-hmm. in uniform and, uh, that affect our demons need to be addressed. So we've got a 2025 stop the violence program uh, that is a cooperative between the Atlanta Coalition and Black uh, People United. So okay. all, all groups, uh, Black Lives Matter, Great Atlanta, are coming together so we can uh, put together a stop the violence rally and see if we can come out with some comprehensive uh, uh, platform that can bring about a change in our community and steer our kids back in the right direction and see if we can get some of these problems back in the home so the right kind of leadership is in, is in place and we can get education in the school system for our parents and children and get education in the churches and see if we get the, the churches and the pulpit into the streets where the people are so we can have this thing. If we're going to continue to fight with these kids, then we've got to fight where they are and we can't be, be afraid. We've got to go out and be with them. They want to see and they want to know. How come my minister is not here? We're here, but why isn't he here with us? Leader, I want to thank you so very much for having me here today. I wish that uh, we have a little bit more time to uh, deal with other aspects of this, but I look, I look forward, I really tell you the, the invitation to come back on another day and another time. Okay, okay. Well, well I'm trying to extend, a, extend a, another 30 minutes here now. Uh, okay, now now let's 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 talk about let's let's talk about uh, let's talk let's talk about you know the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. You know everybody is saying that we're silent on a lot of these things, but 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 they don't realize that that you know we have to pick and choose our fights. Okay, and 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 a lot of the things that that we that we chose not to take part in, uh, I think it was wise for us not to take part in those things because because of the outside influences that was that was that was uh taking part in in the in the protest. Okay, you know, there were infiltrators that infiltrated the if they infiltrated the Black Lives Matter protest and 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 turned it violent. Okay, whereas the protesters were protesting peacefully, and and they were demonstrating for you know for you know for you know stopping the violence and for the for the police brutality, uh, you know, and 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 then they had infiltrators in the group, you know, some non-black instigators, uh, and they had instigators from Secret Service. That were in there, and we had we had we had people that was from the Trump side that were that had infiltrated in there, and they came in there to do harm, and they were the ones that busted out the windows. They were the ones that started that turned the that turned the protest violent. What is your opinion on that? Well, Lena, I, I gotta say this to you that uh, I got a I got a phone call from a white mother, where her son had been arrested at DeKalb County. Uh, this was a little mm-hmm. brother 
or two years ago. He was arrested at DeKalb County. And uh, he wanted to know um, if I would come down there and help her get her son out. And so I asked her, what were the circumstances? And she said, well, he and some other of his friends came down and protested at DeKalb County County Jail because the people there were not getting the right services and were not getting medical treatment. And there were some things that was out of order with the police department in there. So what I'm trying to say to you, I got this group that did a lot of the damage that you're speaking about, this young kid was a member of that group. And when I came down there to uh, help, that's when I found what the truth were. Well, what happened, they, see, they opened the doors of the, of the jail, where you walk inside the doors, and pedestrians were able to sit down and interact with police in order to get information about the loved ones. They threw firecrackers inside of there. After they threw firecrackers, oh, yes, I'm trying to let you know that the uh, Cab County Police Department and the Cab County Sheriff's Department had an opportunity to arrest uh, people who later on will be a part of the movement that took place and is taking place right now in Georgia and have gone into other states to do the same thing. And um, the Emmanuel Maloof building downtown DeKalb County was uh, uh, three or four days after uh, this mother called me and I went down there to help. The Emmanuel Maloof building was attacked and we was we was happened to be down there at the end of a rally protest for Anthony Hill and was sitting at, across the street at the Waffle House, and we saw movement of people walking. I was, I was there that, uh, that thing. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, they walked in. They had their, their black outfits on, and on that same day was the day that they uh, destroyed the main Maloof buildings and windows in the courthouse and different things that was in the area. So, um, again, uh, police institutions had information about people who was prone to do this and knew who they were, they knew what organization that they were a part of, and they did not uh, make an effort to make an arrest as of today. Uh, even with the camera system that they had in place when the marching took place down Memorial Drive to the Sheriff's Department, when the, uh, uh, the same uh, people came back into the area of the DeKalb County uh, Courthouse and the damage at the main Maloof building, they had all of that camera equipment, all of the the, uh, the expertise of local police authority and the state bureau investigation, uh, and uh, even on the federal level. So they had the opportunity to uh, infiltrate and do what they needed to do to keep for what was going to happen later on, which happened in Atlanta, which happened in Minnesota, and the, the same thing is taking place right today in uh, uh, Portland, Oregon, and uh, the state of Washington. The same people who was here are there, and they're all over the country. They know who they are. They know who we are. If they wanted to uh, shut down the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, they're going to come for me. They're going to come for you. They're going to come for because they know who, they know who we are. But they also know what we stand for. They know what we will not do. We know they know what our devotion is. Just like they know our devotion to um, uh, the Stop the Violence Program through nonviolent procedures and actions of the kingdom of Satan, taught by Dr. Martin Luther King, they know that these people who they failed to arrest, who went over there off of Confederate Avenue to the Georgia State Highway Patrol and did all the damage a second time just a few months ago, went into downtown Atlanta, got into the marches, 
and then uh, robbed and looted stores and knocked the windows out. They know that is not us. They know who it is, but they will mm. not arrest them because these are their children and their daughters. Let me tell you who they are. It's their children and their daughters who are fed up with a system that has lied and, uh, to them consistently, and they are not going to take it no more. And so they wow. lash it out the wow. only way they know. So what That's teaches the them? The militia uh, of Georgia and the Go ahead, leader. Yeah, no, I'm saying that's a powerful statement, and and it needs to be heard because everybody knows the truth, but nobody wants to say it. And I thank you for being bold enough to say it. Go ahead. Leader, I came from North Carolina. I came from a family of people who stood on what, for what was right. And I'm not, I cannot be a different person than who I am. If I'm going to ask a mm-hmm. question, there's consequences for it. I just got to be just like the people that taught me. I got to be like that lady that was at North Carolina Antique State University. I got to be like Robert Williams who was up there in Monroe, North Carolina, that said every person in this city has a right to do this, to defend themselves. And he took it upon himself to teach them. I got to support the right, not the act, because Dr. King says that the act of violence is not good. So I have to stand on the rights of people, which is the Constitution of the United States, whether all men in America are supposed to be bound by that. If we're bound by the negative side of it, then we've got to be bound by the positive side of it, too. And that's where nope. uh, that's what is missing. So these kids have been identified. But their daddies, who are members of the uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation in North Carolina, the uh, North Carolina Bureau, the Georgia Bureau, and all the other state bureaus, and their federal uh, and their local police departments, they have the information. But it's not, that's not what on their agenda. Their agenda is to throw out people who are asking for their rights. They should be given to them without a question. And so, so, and so what you're saying, what you're saying, they they rather arrest peaceful protesters they rather do that because they can keep their system. What is the system they want to keep? They want to keep the system that was set up. America was set up uh, uh, from its beginning to oppress people and to take advantage. It's never been a part of that system to give people their rights. It's only been the system was to take and not give, there was not another component to it. And when the Constitution was written, it was a surprise element because they never thought that the institutional racism would become a factor in the decision-making that was rendered. Otherwise, they would have written it another way. But they written it, God led them to, to write it right, but then the people who had to follow the Constitution of the United States of America do not want to... Uh, uh, Government right. So we are left out of the, out of the government side. And every time that we uh, hit a door that everybody can walk through, as soon as a black person walks through that door, yet another law is enacted to take away that right. Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America is is controlled by the government body, the Supreme Court. It's controlled by the judicial system and the political system to set up. Well, and that system well, does not support our rights to be free men in America. 
We have to fight every day for that, and we got to change laws in order to get it. That's right. This this government this government is okay. You know, you know, people keep saying that we are in the midst of a revolution, but I I came up with this with the term uh, with 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 my sister Catherine. Uh, uh, that was that's a very powerful activist that's out here working working with me at this time, and we came up with the concept of, that this is a revolution, this is a evolution revolution. That that the natural terms of government is evolving as the people evolve, the government has to evolve. And as you were saying, these young people, these young people that went to college with me. They were open-minded, you know, young white children. Uh, uh, you know, their daughters dated black men. They understand black America. They, you know, these, these young these young men that hung out with me, they were they were they were young white men that had that had a positive vision. You know, they knew right from wrong. They were, you know, they and and now and now their children. Are, are coming up, you know. Now our children are in their thirties, and they know the truth, Brunette. So, 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 yeah. What you were saying, I want you to expound a little bit more about about uh, you know them about the children now taking over because this government is evolving. It's not going to be the same as it was before. You know, as we see the the presidential campaign that's going on now, we look at the people that are in the races that. That 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 are going on. Uh, uh, the the young vice president uh, uh, candidate that's on, that's in office. This government is evolving. So I wanted you to kind of expound on on uh, on the part where you were saying about now they know that this is their children that's out here doing it, and they don't want to arrest their children. And they don't want to arrest their children. They don't know how to address them. They can't speak to them about. Um, uh, law and order when the children are saying you are out of order and you are unlawful. So they, they don't have, they, they aren't prepared for the argument. You see, they, they could not see this day coming. I could see it coming because I thought I was a part of, of, of that change. Even when I came uh, to Atlanta for the first time and they chose to speak about a hippie movement, but they didn't want to speak about the uh, revolution that had taken place in Atlanta, uh-huh. I mean, in, uh-huh. in the United States, and there was a revolution, an intellectual revolution on top of that, along with a moral revolution that had hit America, but they chose to talk about it in, in the negative side of, of, of drinking and drugging and women and hippies, and they tried to use that as a, a way to change the, the uh, context of, of the, the, wow, the intellectual wow. side of man that was developed. Uh-huh. Yeah, the intellectual side of men and women was was under, undergoing a change. I was introduced uh, to theosophy. I never heard of theosophy before I came to Atlanta. I was in, in, introduced to metaphysics. Didn't know anything about what that was. I thought it was a kind of uh, magician or something. But what I'm trying to explain to you is that uh, there were information that Tolstoy and uh, Gandhi and other uh, philosophers of their day uh, have brought into being as change that's been taking place in government, like France, <laughs> Russia, Mine. all those countries are undergoing changes, and the youth was behind the movement, the push mm-hmm. for change. And America is the same way. 
You can't uh, look at what you see and then say that Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels did not foresee what is happening today. They wrote about it before they occurred. And, and and don't you see and don't you see a pattern here that like like some of the the good old boys the white good old white boys and all of them and the, what they call themselves Trumpites, you know they they want they want to they want to take it back to uh to to the to the white supremacy part of this thing, but 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 their children have evolved beyond that. They they they, they can't even communicate with their children now because their their children. They, their children have black friends. Their children have Hispanic friends. They they are they are marrying and they're inter 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 you know they're having interracial relationships and and the country is evolving. But these people want to stay in the past. So so the evolution is there. It's that bringing it up to the right. But they have evolved from the tyranny of the colonialistic system that was put in place to control not just African Americans, it was setting place to control white Americans who were on the lower line. In fact, they were indentured servitude coming to this country. Uh-huh. The, control, the control was them, even with the white skin with their slow maturation process to government. They could do it through marriage and they could do it through the assimilation process, but it was very slow. So you have a people who thought they were better than African Americans who had a, a foot on their head, holding them down, and they have their foot on our head, trying to hold us down. And one thing you can't do, you can't have your foot on somebody's head and move at the same time. Ah, so they were, okay. they were held in place just like we were and still are. And they are the children who's out there in the street. Then you got the, you got the other one. Children are not a victim, but they understand that the atrocities that have taken place through the, the, the limits, the Senate limits. They are the ones who inherit the Constitution and the strict interpretation of that. But when they look at the mom and their daddy, said the militia, they want people who are trying to take something over. Why are you trying to take something over that's already yours? Because they are not practicing the Constitution and the preamble. Um, right to the citizens of America. All so I, I wrote an article. I wrote an article, and that article is still in circulation today. I'm finding it. You know, a lot of people picking up that article where, where it said three, at least three times. Leader. I read huh? it at least three times. I read it three times. You put it online once. And they're saying, and 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 they're, and, you know. By rights of the Bill of Rights, it's saying that we that that when this government no longer fulfills the need of the people, that the people have the right to change that government, and and that's why I'm saying our young people they are they are they are wanting to change this government. You know, they're wanting to change it where it is as the Constitution say it is. That's right. They 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 want the liberal. A translation of the right restored to all people. You know, in Georgia, one of the the arch fighters against our rights was a young lady named Rebecca Felton. Rebecca Felton was at the was in South Carolina, left South Carolina, uh, 
and got involved in the 1898 race riot. Her word was paramount, just like kerosene poured into a fire. Lit mm-hmm. up the men and women who fought against African Americans, killed them, made a bloodbath in the Kingsville River of our forefathers' uh, family. And uh, the original company, Georgia Pacific, and others listed by the New York Times who did an article on this on reparations. They went back okay. and told them, you all have got to do this. It's the right thing to do. And then just this week past, uh, $100 million is given uh, by a, a politician and businessman. I, think, I, don't, I don't want to say it's wrong, but I think it was Bloomberg that gave $100 million. You see, uh, white America's got to get it right. Stop, you kill, you lynch, you rape, you molested, you maimed, and you have, um, you, you get psychological help for yourself, but you have not given any to the, to the errors of all these errors, all this damage you've done. You got a, a group of people, African American people in, in this country, who have, have been psychologically lynched. Uh-huh. And got no help whatsoever from it. But yet, when you go into a courtroom, you can ask a young white boy, well, uh, judge, let me represent this young boy and uh, his mother and father. They, they didn't see him every day like he was supposed to, or they spanked him. So he's got psychological trauma. They don't have an idea what psychological fears are. We are the victim of psychological trauma. That's been going on and still going on with no relief. And black men are walking down the street with, with bones broken and heel wrong and arms broken and head squashed in from, from the bitter club of America and never got any type of help. So they want to know why a young man is homeless. He's homeless because he's got no psychological help after he's born to this country into a fit of rage against uh-huh. him. A fit of rage. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very much uh, hurt by what I see every day to our people. And I, I think of a young man that's not with us. He fought really hard for the people in the Gulf Coast region to get them help because the large corporations that came down there with the Gulf uh with the oil spill, didn't give nothing to the people who were most damaged. Well, so well you, were talking about, we you were talking about you were talking about Jose Williams and the feed the hungry, and and I go every year. I I, I go religiously, like every year. I, I I make sure I participate in that event, and and what amazes me is that it's white people there, it's black people there, and they are all volunteering, they're all working together. It is the most beautiful thing that, that yeah. you can see. If you've never experienced the, the Jose Feed the Hungry, I would invite every one of you to get out and to go, and, and not only to go, but to also volunteer and to see what goes on behind the scenes because it is beautiful. You, can it, you comment is, on that? And that's a great invitation to send out to the public. And I, I, 
I, I, I'm with you on that extension uh, to the public to come and get involved, be a part, and see what this man is putting into place and how it is affecting the lives of, of humanity. And uh, uh, he called for uh, civil and human rights, and, and all nationalities are benefiting from the suffering he went through after being beaten and, and, and uh, arrested over 125 times. So I'm asking you to give him support. Because the CLC is at the front of this, we are asking for a statute to be put in, in DeKalb County and from the courthouse for more, for, uh, to remember the works of Reverend Jose Williams and his fight for humanity that still goes forward. We're and asking you to be a part of this. It's going to be all in the media all this week. You can see uh, people from all over the country talking about this. And I'm asking you, uh, Reverend, to come and stand with me in this fight to see if we can to get this done for a man that's so deserving. He fought for right. people called me. I'm bored, and I'm bored. All right. All right, and 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 the people and the people need to the people need to give the people need to take part in it and and uh, and and I'm with you 100 percent, bro. I'm with you 100 percent. I'm going to the DeKalb County Commissioners every church this weekend. We begin a letter that will go out. They'll probably receive it on Monday or Tuesday. We send a letter to all the uh, churches in DeKalb County asking them to support this and offer their members to do the same thing. Uh, if we do not unify uh, for us, there is nobody to unify for us or to unify us. It's our job. And young people, back to that question. Uh, I, we, we fail you? No, sir. We do not fail you. You are failing yourself. You got a responsibility. You were born to be a leader, and you got to find out how to be one. And the way you become a leader is you take a step against something you know it's not right. You fight for that. And uh, what you need to step, take another step forward, it's going to present itself. But you got to first take the first step. And the first, very first step needs to be stop criticizing those who are out there working and become one of those who are out there working and giving. That's the All first right. step. The first. All right. That's the step. You want to know how to take it? I took it at age 11. I can show you how to take it at age 20, age 17, age 18, all the way up to age 73, and I'm still stepping. I'm out here every day. I'm still stepping. So I can show you how to do it. You ain't got to look for nobody. All you got to do is come. Well, give our people a word of, uh, of encouragement. What would you say to this generation today? And we got I, four minutes. I got I to gotta tell them that they... They have answered the call. Uh, you know, I'm very fortunate to have met my great-great-grandmother, who uh, was uh, 100, she lived to be 110 years old in, in Tarboro, North Carolina, Edgecombe County. And she uh, had a, a garden, and she planted that garden every day. She nurtured the soil, and she thanked God uh, for giving her the plants and the food that was, was able to come to our table. We, as young people, have to remember that we have a lot of uh, strong people in our heritage who have done things, some that you read about and some you never read about. You got uh, strong mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers. Get to know something about them. Thank them for what they have done. 
they made it possible for you to have another day to fight. And this is that day. I thank you for being able to understand better the world that you're in, but you got to understand more about the one that you need to live in. Okay. Okay. Well, this is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. And, man, we, we've, got, we've been blessed today to have a patriot, to have, to have an elder on the line today who has been in the struggle from when he was a little boy. He met Dr. King as a little boy and, and been on the battlefield ever since. And, Brene, every time we get a chance to, you know, and I, you know, every time we get a chance to bring you on, we're going to bring you on just so you can give us the history of, what, of what's going down. All right, this is the Whole Truth, Nothing But the Truth radio broadcast. Um, you, uh, please get in contact with the Cab County SCLC uh, to try to support us with the Jose Feed the Hungry program and all the things that are getting ready to come off. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. If you want to take part in those things that are going on, reach out to our local uh, SCLC uh, uh, chapters, and, and please, people, just get involved wherever you can, get involved. All right, this is The Whole Truth. Nothing but the truth radio broadcast. I want to thank, you know, Bernay for coming on and spending this time with us today. All right. This is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. Peace and blessing. Love you, leader. Peace.